pray, and I, I, I need you to pray that that the Lord will help me today, and I need us to pray that the Lord will help us to receive what He has for us today. Father, we love you today, Jesus. We honor you today. We praise you today, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory, all of the praise. We give you all of the honor, Lord Jesus. Without you today, Father, we cannot do one thing except we abide in you and your word abides in us. So, God, we cannot accomplish, we cannot complete, we cannot do one thing today, Lord Jesus. We are your workmanship today. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's in you that we live and move and have our being today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We are your vessels. We are your vessels of honor today, Lord. We are your vessels today, Lord, made, O oh God, for your purpose, saved and delivered out of the hand of the enemy for your plan and your purpose and your will today. Father, that our minds would be focused on you today. Lord, let, help us to lay aside every weight and the sin today that might so easily beset us. Help us to lay aside every concern and every care. Lord, as your word says, that we would cast every care upon you today. Whatever it is that we care about, God, that, that lost family member, that backslider that we care about, help us to lay those things aside, O oh God, and to get our minds stayed on you today to get our minds focused on your will, Lord. Let us get our minds focused on what you have for us today, Lord. Let us come today with a willing heart and a willing mind. Let us come today, Lord Jesus. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, let us come to the healer and the deliverer, Lord. Let us come to our shield and defense today, Lord. You're able to deliver. You're able to minister, Lord. You're able to speak to us today, Lord God. Oh, give us a hungry heart today. Give us a hungry heart today. Lord, help us to lay aside, oh God, all of our preconceived ideas, oh God. Lord, let us come with open hearts to receive impartation. Oh God, let impartation come today in the name of Jesus. Let impartation come. Lord, each one of us has come here hungry and thirsty. Lord Jesus, feed us today. Oh, you're so good to us, God. You're so good to us, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you because you first loved us and you gave yourself for us, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, He died on that cross so we could be here today. He died on that cross so that we could sit here and say we have this great salvation that we have. He died on that cross. He, he endured the shame, the beatings, the mockings, and all the things that He went through. He endured all of that for us so that we could be here today and so that we could call ourselves apostolics. Amen, 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 amen. It's it's a privilege and an honor to be here today. I miss my pastor. I hope you miss your pastor. But I'm also glad that my pastor and his wife and their family get to have some family time together. 
and uh, to to have some downtime, I guess, if you want to call it that, and uh, some rest. Amen. Jesus even took time aside to get away from the crowd to rest. And so our pastor needs rest. So let's keep him lifted up in prayer that God will give him rest and not inundate him with more stuff for him to concern himself with. I don't know about you, but I want my pastor to to be free spiritually. I want I, want, I pray for him that God will speak to him and that God will because when God speaks to him, then he's going to come bring what God speaks to him to speak it to us. And so I want him to speak things to me that I need to hear. Amen. I don't want to just come here and go through the motions. I want to come here hungry and expecting that God's going to give me something fresh, something new. Amen. I know the word's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I believe that God can give us fresh understanding, fresh revelation, you know, a fresh view of things. Amen. Maybe something to allow us to see something the way, in some way we never saw it before. Amen. Because He doesn't want to leave us where we are. He definitely doesn't. I don't want to be a teenager again. <laughs> and when you're older, Miriam, you won't want to be one either. <laughs> I'm glad that the, I'm glad a, acne and all that stuff is gone <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there's then a whole whole new set of challenges when you become an adult and. Amen. But we, we grow. We're still growing. Even in our 70s, we're still growing. We, we never stop growing and maturing in God. We never do. We never do. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking you've arrived and that you don't have to learn anymore. You, you can just sit back and let somebody else learn something. We've always got room to grow. The Lord's not done with us yet. As I heard one preacher say, we're saved thus far. Amen? Because people just wake up sometimes one morning and just decide they're not going to live for God anymore. And we say to ourselves, well, that'll never happen to me. Well, I I give you a challenge. Don't ever say never. Now, that's that's not to say, well, I'm going to challenge God and see if... No, you don't want to do that either. But I gotta wake up every day and say, This is his day. He made the sunrise. I didn't. He he let me breathe his air. I didn't I didn't wake up every two seconds and tell my heart to beat. He did that. He took care of that all night while I slept. And so if I'm here today, it's because he wanted me to be here today. So if he's got me here today, he's got something for me today. Amen. Amen. So with all that, we're going to talk about something called exploring God's Word. Anybody ever heard of that? I mean, we should be doing that all the time, right? We should never stop. You, you, should, not, you should not get to this place where you say to yourself, well, I've read the Bible through 15 times. That's good enough. No. No. You should never say that. And I will say that. I'll put a never disclaimer in front of that one. Because we've never really arrived, have we? Just when you thought you, you thought you had all revelation, you don't even have it. It's not even close. If, and like I said before, if you imagine yourself sitting in a rowboat on top of Lake Erie, right? All right? 
Lake Erie, like the big lake up here above us. You can't. You sit out in the middle of that, you, you think you're in the ocean. You can't see the shore in any direction. It's huge. And so you imagine yourself having the revelation that you have, and that, that's represented by all the water you can see on top. But there's all that water underneath that's revelation you don't have yet. That's understanding that God hasn't given you yet. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to settle for looking at the top of the lake. I'm sorry. I want to get down in the deep stuff. Because, and I heard one preacher say, just because he says his ways are higher than our ways doesn't mean we can't get there. But we, we need to, you know, Paul talked about being in the third heaven. Or was it John? John talked about being in the third heaven. Might have been Paul. So he, he had a supernatural experience. He had a vision. He had, God took him somewhere in the Spirit to a higher place. And I want to get there. Don't you? I don't want to be satisfied with just having church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I don't know about you. I want to go higher. I want God to show me some things. And He has to trust us, be able to trust us to show us those things. Right? That your work, Brother Terry, when you worked, you didn't give jobs to guys that you didn't think they could handle it. You had to kind of teach them the, the basics first. So that's what we're going to do here today. Let's talk about the basics. How many in this room have ever had a Bible study taught to them? Just about everybody. How many in this room's ever, you don't have to raise your hand for this one. How many in this room's ever taught a Bible study? At least once. Amen. So this Exploring God's Word Bible study... It was the copyright on it is 1981, so that means that roughly around 1981 was when it was published. But I don't. I, something tells me it wasn't actually. It was written way before that. And so where did where did the, where did the Exploring God's Word or any Bible study that's out there published and written that you can buy on the Pentecostal Publishing House website? Where did it come from? Well, I think it came from some some guy, some man. And his wife, that were home missionaries in a little church somewhere, and they were teaching home Bible studies to people, and, and they were just using their Bible, and they, they decided just to start making an outline. Right? So, because they figured after a while they're going to win some people, and they wanted them to go teach a Bible study, and so they wanted to have them to have some kind of guideline to follow. Because when you're teaching somebody the Bible, especially today, and even you know, back in the 80s, there's a lot of people that that they know there's a Bible and they know it exists, but they have no clue what it is, and they're not even sure if it's real or not. Right? And so this this home Bible study, this is the teacher's manual, the new one for exploring God's Word. What The guy that wrote this didn't sit down and say, I think I'm going to write a home Bible study and publish it so I can sell lots of them. He didn't do that. He wrote a home Bible study because he, he needed a, a, some way to follow a pattern so he could hand that to people and say, here, follow this pattern. Go teach a home Bible study to somebody. That's how I won you. Now you go win somebody. And I think that's how all this kind of started. And if you go to the PPH website, you, you just type in Bible study in the search window, and you can find there's Bible studies galore out there that people are writing every day. Bible studies for men. Bible studies for women. Bible studies for kids. Bible study in a bag. Anybody ever heard of that? Right? 
There's all kinds of Bible studies. But we're just going to focus on this one today. Okay? Is that all right? No, that's all right. We're glad you're here, Bob. And so the, the, the Exploring God's Word Bible study comes with a chart. I didn't bring the chart. I didn't feel like I needed to. You all know what I'm talking about. There's some back here. There's a big chart, little chart. Now you can get it on DVD. Now you can get it on thumb drive. And, and you can use the PowerPoint. And I mean, it's just, they've really just gone crazy with it. And they actually redid all the artwork. And none of that's really important. But it's, about a, it's supposed to be a 12-week Bible study. So there's no hurry. There's no rush. Right? We don't want to rush through teaching somebody the Bible, do we? Because it's, it's that important that you have to take your time. And, and people, some people don't have any foundation at all. When I came into truth, I at least had a Catholic background. Like Brother Becker, I had at least some kind of religious background that God could work with. I, I at least believed there was a God. I at least believed and had heard the Bible read. And I at least knew that in my mind that God was real. And that was His Word. So God had something, to, but a lot of people aren't like that. And so, teaching a home Bible study is absolutely important to grow in the kingdom. When you believe, does anybody believe that? Anybody? Does everybody believe that? Good. Because you should be teaching them. If you believe that, we should be doing it. And I'm pointing right here. When I point at you, i got three pointing back here because I need to be doing it too. And I have to confess I haven't. But I've been praying that God, we've been going to those restaurants and we've been doing all that stuff in Sparta, trying to get to know people, going to the different businesses. And, and I'm just asking God, just send me a hungry person that's just hungry to know the Word of God, that I can teach a home Bible study in their house, in my house, at a coffee shop somewhere. Somewhere. And so that's what we're talking about today, is teaching a home Bible study. And there, this guy, you know, there's people out there that are always improving things. There's a guy in a church in Michigan that wrote this, found this online, Exploring God's Word Cheat Sheet Teacher's Guide. Because he was using this thing right here, but to him it was cumbersome to bring this to the Bible study. So he created a shorter version of this, a cheat sheet, so that he could himself focus on the stuff he felt was most important. Not that any of that stuff in there is not important, but he wanted to kind of focus on the important stuff. And over time, from teaching the home Bible study over and over, he determined in his mind that there were some things he really needed to focus on. So he wrote this, and he actually put it out there on, online, and he actually says in the beginning, you have permission and to print and or distribute copies of this document freely. You do not have permission to sell copies of it. Freely you have received, freely give, right? So what do you think I did? It's a PDF. I downloaded it. <laughs> I, I'm planning to teach a Bible study. I'm acting like I'm going to do it. Our NAM director over in Maquan just started having a burden one day. I don't know why this has anything to do with teaching home Bible study, but it does. Apparently, because I'm talking about it. And so he said he wanted to have a Spanish service. He had nobody in his church that spoke Spanish. He had no Spanish documents, nothing. So he just said, God, I want 
you know, I want to have Spanish. There's lots of Spanish people around here, over near Milwaukee. So he just started going out and buying Spanish tracts, Spanish Bible studies. He just started, you know, collecting stuff up for Spanish. And lo and behold, one day God sent somebody to him that was bilingual, and he taught him a Bible study and won him to the Lord. And it's just the rest is history. He's got a Spanish work going there. But he had to start acting like he wanted to do it. Right? He had to start doing things and proving to God, I guess you could say. I'm serious about this, God. If, if I do this, would you send me somebody? And sure enough, God did. When he sees that you're serious, he'll do something about it. Amen? Because he wants faithful people. You know, it's easy to make a, a commitment and then back out of your commitment later. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> Like people that say they want to go to the mission field, then they get over there and it's like, oh my goodness, this is not what the, the this is not what the video said when the missionary was here. So we gotta we gotta be careful. So you may have the privilege of a front row seat while you watch someone transform, be transformed into God's image. Being the person teaching the home Bible study. Isn't that an awesome thing? Anybody ever seen that? Anybody ever experienced that? To watch their, to see their eyes opening spiritually? It's amazing. And so, in some ways, this is out of uh, this gentleman's work here. It says, in some ways, some of the greatest blessings in a home Bible study go to the teachers. To the teacher, not to the student. In that we really need to get the word inside of us. So we can pour it out. Nothing teaches you the Word of God like opportunity to teach the Word of God. And that Scripture says that we need to hide the Word of God in our hearts. And I know we say that that, that means memorizing. And if you can do that, God bless you. I have a hard time with that. But I tell you, if I, if I just intentionally try to memorize Scripture, I have a really hard time with that. But you know what I find? The more I study the Bible for myself personally, and I keep ending up in the same books, the same Scriptures over and over and over again, it's amazing to me how my mind just remembers them. And I didn't intend to go in there and, and purposely memorize that Scripture, but through study and through, in, in this case, through teaching a home Bible study, it would amaze you after time. Now, the first home Bible study you teach, it's going to be rough. And you're, but you're going to have somebody that's going to be a captive audience, and they know nothing about the Bible. And so to them, it doesn't matter if you know five things about the Bible, you know five things more than they do. And to them, they're looking at you going, this, this man's a Bible scholar, Brother Richard. He really, wow. Because to them, you are one. Right? And so you use that to your advantage. You don't gloat about it, but... You take advantage of that and you, you go slowly and, and you just kind of, sometimes you have to just kind of, you know, you might have a 30, 60, 90 minute Bible study plan, but you have to kind of play it by ear. You have to kind of watch the face of people and you have to, to just kind of listen to the Spirit of God and God will tell you when to stop. And what you don't want to do is go way long and you wear people out. Then you lose them, then they never come back or they never invite you back to their home. And that brings up a whole other situation. What if somebody says, well, I, don't, I won't come to your house, but I'll, I'll have you come to my house. And you agree to that. 
And then you get to their house and they got some filthy movie on their TV and they're smoking and, and you're going, well, this is not what I signed up for. And we have a guy that's in Kansas that he's a district superintendent now, but when he was pastoring his church in Topeka, he had an opportunity to teach a Bible study to about 23 AA members. So, you, know, you know what AA is, right? 23 AA members, they said, can you come to our apartment and teach it? Ah, oh, yeah, sure. So he shows up with his Bible study chart and everything, and he walks in there, and, and every one of them smoking right now. And the, th- the smoke is so thick across the top of the room. He said he had to sit on the floor by the co- coffee table to teach that Bible study. And he went back there multiple times to teach that Bible study. And he determined in his mind, I don't care if I smell like smoke every time I leave here. These guys are hungry. And if this is what I have to endure, Jesus had to endure what he did. And, I, and I can, I'm going to complain about some smoke smell? Unless you're just allergic to it, he endured that and ended up winning some people. So there's value in teaching home Bible studies. I'm sorry, but it's not really going to happen here in this building. You're Try to get some people to come to this building. If they know, mentally, if they know they have to come to a church building, they'll talk themselves out of it. Right? Am I telling the truth? I'm not questioning myself. I'm saying right because I want you to think. If you notice, I'm, I'm involving you today. <laughs> this, is, this is about you and me. We're, we're all, we have to do this. I know this is not Brother Becker. I'm sorry. I'm just, I can't talk like that. <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's deep. He's deep. So what did, uh, what did 3,120 people do after the day of Pentecost? Uh, I'm sorry. And they they went to the temple, too. Why? Because they were all Jews, first of all. And that's what they did. All good, faithful Jews went to the temple once a week. What do we do? We come to the temple. But but where did most of their ministry take place? Not in the temple. I'm giving you a hint. It wasn't in the temple. It was from house to house. Breaking bread and having fellowship. Talking about the things of God. Some people, when they do home Bible studies or cell groups, the first thing they do when people show up is they have food. They don't jump right into the Word of God and prayer and all. Not that those things aren't important, but they, they, they break the ground, if you will. Okay? Let's have a little snack. You don't have to have a seven-course meal. Just, just have a little snack. Just let people... Get in there and get let their, get their hair down and just kind of let them relax. And if you're at their house, same thing. Just you want that you want that that relaxed environment where they can receive. And you you have to pray and prepare yourself for this home Bible study. Don't just go in there without praying, because you'll do like me, and you'll go off in rabbit trails all night, and you'll never get the Bible study taught. <laughs> I know. I know me. I'll do that. I have the gift of gab, if you all haven't noticed. Hallelujah. And she still picked me anyway. I wasn't always like this. Before I got in church, I wasn't like this. Very shy. 
but God just did something to me. <laughs> so I'm not blaming God. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a good thing, isn't it? God needed me to come out of myself and open my mouth and be bold and not be fearful of talking to people. So he gave me this. So it's his. It's his gift. <laughs> just, I just try to use wisdom when I operate to not run off in rabbit trails. And, you know, anybody else in here besides me have a tendency to do that, right? And it's not hard. There's a lot in the Bible. And so that's why, this, that's why the people that wrote these Bible studies did that, so they could help themselves stay on, stay on point, if you will. Okay? And this guy says in his, his writing, he says, I recommend that you start simple and keep the lesson shorter unless your students are begging for more. You'll know. You, you can tell if somebody's hungry. They, they don't want to leave. Can, let's get another drink, another snack. Come on, let's, let's, let's get into some more. But then you have to get to a point where you say, okay, let's save some for next week. Because you've got to keep them hungry and coming back. Right? It's kind of like restaurants. Right? You, only, you can only put so much in your stomach before you've got to leave. But you know, I'm, that food was good there. I'm coming back to that restaurant. Right? You want them to come back. You want them to stay hungry. And, you, and not only do you pray for yourself in the Bible study, you pray for the, the person that you're teaching. And you don't know. You, you agree to teach a Bible study to one person. You don't know the next time they're going to bring three people with them. Man, I went to this Bible study. They're at lunch. They're outside smoking and joking with their friends. I went to this Bible study. And man, it was awesome. You guys should come. Who was it that told that story about the lady at the steakhouse? Who was that? Some, some pastor was going to this steakhouse and this little old lady was the hostess and she was seating everybody and he got to talking to her and, and said, and got a Bible study with her, right? So they were having church in their house. And so she came to the Bible study and a couple weeks later, she started bringing people from the restaurant. Pretty soon, almost every employee in the restaurant was, that was his church. Because she kept going back to the, the restaurant and saying, man, this was a little old lady. Nothing wrong with the little old ladies. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way there, okay? But she kept going back to that restaurant because she was retired and she was a hostess and she had no fear of anybody, you know. She's like, I'm going to this awesome church. You all should come. And she just started convincing all of her employees to come. So you never know. You really never know who you're teaching a home Bible study to and what God's going to do to that person and how they're going to, I mean, all you got to do is tell some people. They'll just invite the world if you tell them to. And then you don't have to do anything. You don't have to knock doors. You just go show up at the Bible study. Right? We're all laughing and chuckling up, but I'm serious. I hope this is all right this morning. Okay? So as you teach more Bible studies, now this makes sense. First time Brother Terry started doing woodwork, it probably looked horrible, right? Especially, we're our own worst critic, right? So it really looked bad to me. But somebody else would go, man, that looks good. Are you a professional? But over years and years and years of doing that, when he showed me the pictures of his railings and his stairway railings and stuff he did, I was like amazed. Like, wow, you did that? I could, <laughs> I could nail two sticks together. I mean, you know. 
But it took years for him to learn that and to perfect that. And it's going to take you a long time to perfect that Bible study. And when you first start out, yeah, you're going to follow something like this or like this cheat sheet. And that's okay. It's okay to follow a cheat sheet. But by and by, as you teach the Bible study, as you start stories about things that happened in your own life or things that happened in lives of people that relate to the ones you're teaching, those things are going to st- God's going to start resurrecting those things in your mind. And that's when it's okay to go down those rabbit trails. That's when it's okay to kind of make, it, make the Bible study match the environment that you're in. And by and by, you're going to find yourself not even using this thing anymore. Right? You're just going to know it, right? You're going to know what a quarter inch looks like. When you're measuring, you don't have to have a tape measure. You know that's a quarter inch because your eyes are used to seeing that. I hope this is okay this morning. Amen? So 3,120 people just without any Bible. They didn't have a chart, did they? They didn't have a Bible. What did they have? They didn't have an iPhone. They didn't have an iPad. They had nothing. Oh, wait, they had a experience. They had a testimony. Something happened to me. Let me tell you about it. So, you just, you know, we, we don't need to get freaked out over teaching a home Bible study. We really don't. Because God's going to help you. Especially if you've prayed and you've fasted and you've prepared yourself. Because this is kingdom business that we're talking about, okay? This is not just, I have to do a Bible study. Because the pastor said, that's not what it is. You should want to. How many people are we going to really convince to come from Trempolo to here? Two that I know of. Right there. But how many, other, how many are we going to convince to come to all the way here to the north side of Lacrosse from Trempolo? Not many. But how many can you convince to come to your trailer? A whole bunch. A whole bunch. Then you run out of room there. You got to go find some place to meet. I mean, the, the guy that started that church in Brother Parker's hometown in North Carolina started out teaching Bible studies in a McDonald's, and I bet you it started with one guy. And it, he said it got to the point where he had thirty-something people showing up at a McDonald's on a certain night of the week for a home Bible. They were taking up. Half the restaurant. <laughs> and he probably sat there one night and said, you know, i got to find somewhere else. I might be making these people. I'm sure the McDonald's didn't care. They were spending money in there. But he realized, i got to find somewhere else to do this. I, I have a church here. You don't know if that's going to happen, but you got to start somewhere. I don't know if we can get people to come from where Sister Linda lives. It doesn't seem like it's very far, but... In this world that we live in, to them, it's like that's like the other side of the world or Sparta, right? Now, it's one thing to come from the south side of La Crosse, but from the prairie or somewhere else, it's, it's like you're lucky to get them out of bed, right? Am I right? Because what's everybody do on Sunday? Sleep in. Why? We won't talk about that. We know why. They're recovering. Right? Some of us, most, a lot of us came from that. 
Right? I know. I know. I, I've been one of them once. Such were some of you, right? And so we've we've got to we gotta get in a different mindset here. Because I mean we can pray for God to send them in that door, but I'm telling you right now, they're not coming. One or two might. But the the real way we're gonna fill this building up is by us doing it out there. And if you're not comfortable in your house, and if you don't want to go to somebody else's house and have to put up with that stuff, find a neutral place. Find a McDonald's. Find a Culver's. Find a coffee shop. Meet in a neutral place that's comfortable for everybody. And, you know, the beauty of, of going to teach a Bible study in a restaurant somewhere like that, I mean, my wife and I have been sitting in, in restaurants having conversation between us about spiritual things. And I could see people going, they're, they're just looking, you can tell they're listening. <laughs> so then I turn the volume up a little bit so they can hear more. <laughs> right? I've seen that happen. They, they really don't want to be at their table. We're, we, we were sitting at the family restaurant about a month ago, and them, them little old ladies at that next table kept leaning their ears over like, what are they talking about? There's hungry people out there. And they, they're hearing us talk about things they've never heard people talk about before. And so we've got to be there for them. It sounds funny, but it, it wasn't that, that really happened. And we all noticed it, didn't we? It's like, can I? It's like we didn't have room, but they almost were like, can I pull a chair up where you are? Right? We have opportunities that are out there to fill this place up. And you know what? If you win somebody in your home and they get filled with the Holy Ghost, what an awesome feeling. The first time somebody got the Holy Ghost in my government quarters in Okinawa, I was like, I was almost shouting. She stood up out of that recliner and just started talking in tongues. And I looked at my wife and was like, is this really happening in my house? God doesn't care. He wants, he wants the hungry ones, and he'll fill them if they're hungry. And that's what he did to that girl. And so we decided at that point, we're, we're going to start having fellowship in our house. This, we called it Center for Dinner Night. Okay? I, I don't know if I'd call it that now. But we had, we, over those five and a half years, we had a lot of Marines and a lot of people in our house. And a lot of people in our house, it, was just, it wasn't even a Bible study. It was just having a meal and some fellowship. But it, one thing led to another. And they liked what they felt when they got around apostolic people. And the next thing you know, they're asking, hey, can I come to your church? You don't even have to invite them sometimes. They'll invite themselves. I know Brother Wayne Huntley, when he first started in Raleigh, North Carolina, he and his wife would go out and teach Bible studies, and he purposed to never ask anybody to church. He would mention church. He would say, "We got, you know, we, well, we got to go. It's it's getting late. It's Saturday night. We got to go because we got church in the morning. We'll see y'all next week." And that's how, that's how he'd leave it. And he said, over time, some of those people would start saying, "Hey, hey, hey! Before you go, would it be all right if we come to your church?" Oh, sure, sure. Because they just invited themselves. Now that took all the pressure off of him to ask. Now is that wisdom? <laughs> I mean, you look at his church now, it's huge, right? But he started somewhere. 
He told stories about him and his wife sitting in their little mini pickup truck eating hot dogs and a policeman pulling them over. What do you all do? <laughs> They're just sitting in their car after a Bible study having a hot dog because that's the only time they had for dinner. And they shared a hot dog between them. Right? They went to the hot dog place down down the road. So, so I guess, you know, all I'm really doing here today is to just, just kind of get our minds stirred up. And I, and I feel like the Lord sent me to do this. I tried to say, maybe I should teach something else. And he just kept taking me back to this. So I said, okay. I don't know how this is going to go, but here we go. So this Bible study, it's very simple to teach. Just one of many. There's God's in my Father's house, God's Word made plain. There's exploring God's Word too. There's my in my Father's house, number two. And there's, there's just... Multiple Bible studies out there. There's short ones that you can hand people. There, there's so many Bible studies, but the real goal is not for us to just hand something to somebody. I mean, we can pass out tracts, but what are most people going to do with that? Throw it away. And there might be one or two that will keep it. But really what we need is that, that opportunity to get with them one by, one-on-one. And watch their faces. And watch what God does. Amen? And so the the one thing that he said in here that I underlined is that we have to have a burden. We have to plan. And this one word I underlined three or four times. Commit. We have to commit. You can't start it and then don't keep doing it. If they're hungry, you have to commit. And I wrote a note here on on this guy's, because I got it in PDF so I can write on this one. But it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give up time. You're going to have to give up some money. It's going to cost you. But I'm going to ask you a question. Is it worth it? Is it no matter what, how much it is, is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it. So it's not like it's costing you something then, isn't it? It's really like you're investing in the kingdom. And don't you think that God's going to give that back to you? That might not be an offering in the plate, but God sees that, what you're doing. And that your attitude is right, that it's for the kingdom. I'm not doing this so I can brag and tell everybody, look at how many Bible studies I teach. We got pastors out there that are that have churches of a thousand people that are teaching four or five Bible studies a week. The pastor is. The pastor's doing it. Four or five Bible studies a week. And so what is he doing? He's setting a standard for the rest of his people. If I'm doing it, you need to be doing it. I'm, I'm not, so I'm not a good example right now. <laughs> but I know I need to. And we gotta get to that place. Right? And if we can get them to come here, that's great. But if I have to report to Brother Becker that somebody got the Holy Ghost in my house, you think he's going to be upset about that? (laughs) Do you think? What was that lady's name that went to Bemidji, Minnesota? What was her name, Linda? She left Indiana. Her husband passed away. And she felt like God was... right. Something happened with her husband. Let's put it that way. And she was left all alone. And so she felt like God was drawing her to some little, I think it was Bemidji, 
way up there in nowhere, Minnesota, right? Have any of y'all heard this story? Some of you ladies have, so don't say anything. And so she says, okay. And so she calls the district superintendent in in that state and says, I feel like God's telling me to come up there and do work in this town. He's like, come on. (laughs) He didn't even hesitate. Let's go. Bring it on. So she goes up there. She has no idea what she's going to do, where she's going to go. She's driving down this road. And God says, go down this road. And there's a guy raking leaves. Stop and talk to him. And she stops and talks to him. And one thing led to another. And she got him to agree to a Bible study. And one thing led to another. And she ended up marrying him. She ended up starting a church in that city. But she drove in there with not a clue what she was going to do who she was going to talk to first or anything. And she was this lady was in her 70s, I think. In her 70s. Early 70s, so that made her a little younger, right? <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you I'll throw you a bone, okay? For those of you that are never mind. But I'm just saying, don't get it in your head that I'm done. Or God's done with me. Don't get that in your head. Don't get that in your head. Or I'm too young. I'm not old enough to teach on Bible study. I don't know what expletive I'm going to use, but I'm trying to think of a clean one. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. That's why somebody wrote Bible study in a bag. Right? Some young person said, we've got to reach young people. We need a Bible study. Some young person did that. Right? Miriam, you could teach a Bible study. You could blow them away. And God's going to use you to do that. Amen. He's going to use you. So I'm just going to get into this Bible study a little bit. Just kind of start it. I don't know if Brother Becker will let me continue this, but... But what better way to to, te- to learn about teaching a home Bible study than for somebody to stand up here and teach a home Bible study to you? Because it's that simple. I mean, you got a book to follow. You don't have to have all 70, 66 books of the Bible memorized. It's all right here. Really. And so, in the introduction, it says, um, introduction to the Old Testament. The Old Testament covers many events over a span of a thousand years. Of thousands of years. We will divide this time up into four periods simply as a way to understand some of the major events better. And I'm going to tell you right now, some people in this room could gain a lot from teaching this home Bible study because you would learn things. You'd be going in your head while you're teaching it. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. You don't say that out loud because you're the teacher, but you're thinking... You're learning something. So there's a, there's a dual benefit for you to teach the home Bible study. God's going to grow you. Who, who doesn't want to grow in God? I don't want to grow physically. The only way I have left to grow is this way. So can't grow this way anymore and don't want to. These time periods are innocence, conscience, the patriarchs, and the law. 
and the law and prophets. So each one of those, the innocence was the, was the time during what? Adam and Eve, right. Garden of Eden, right? Extends from the creation of man to the sin of the Garden of Eden. The length of time is unknown. So we, when we read that, sometimes we think about, well, Adam and Eve were created and they were in the garden and one day they <clears throat> picked an apple and the next day they were kicked out of the garden. That's not how it happened. It, the Bible doesn't say a time period. But I'm willing to, to bet, I guess if I can use that word, that it took a while. It took some time. Right? And so we don't know. And so, you know, those just little things like that, you're going, you know, because we read some of this stuff and it's like the, 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 three, the 120 in the upper room and the 3,000 that were added to the church, they all didn't get baptized one day and go out the next day. It just didn't happen. It took, them, it took a while to baptize all those people, first of all. And there, I'm sure there was some kind of organization going on. And so it took a while. And so we can't get in a hurry. I want, I want to hurry up and get this 12 weeks, man. Okay, well, 11 weeks, okay. 10 weeks left, okay. You know, it's like you're waiting for the last day at work. No. No, you don't, you don't want to hurry the thing. You don't want to rush it. This is important information. So the second period of time that we talk about in this Bible study is called conscience. And that's conscience spans the time from the fall of man to the original sin, or man, the original sin to Abraham. Did we have a Mosaic law? Not, not during Abraham we didn't. Because what was the Mosaic law named after? Moses. Moses came way after Abraham. So there was no Mosaic law until Moses, right? So we, we think about, we hear the Mosaic law, we hear the law, but and we think about Abraham and his time and we just kind of subconsciously think that all that, all that was in effect from the beginning and it wasn't. So there was no law to identify this is sin, this isn't sin, right? So that's why there was problems with multiple marriages and stuff like that because there was no rules set for, to, to limit that stuff. These are things that you're going to learn teaching the Bible study. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Number three, the patriarchs. The time of the patriarchs reaches from Abraham to Moses. And there's a lot of information in between there. And this thing's got a, a timeline and it's got, like I said, all the books of the Old Testament, all the books of the New Testament, and all this information that you'll have in front of you that they'll have in front of them as a pictorial so that, you know, the chart, I mean, it paints a picture's paint a thousand words, right? And you will get, you'll, you'll be thinking you're just flowing through your Bible study and you'll, they'll stop you and ask all kinds of questions. So you have to make sure that you, if you can't answer the question, you say, sorry, I can't answer that question. No. You say, at the next Bible study, I'll get you an answer to that. Because I'm not a Bible scholar and I don't know everything about it either. But that's why we're here. You just, you kind of keep control of the Bible study, right? But you don't insult people. Well, if you were apostolic, you'd know that. Right? We've got to be, we got to be, because you got to bring people from where they are. you you got to get people, you know, from where they are. If they have a Catholic background or a Lutheran background or a Satanic background, you got to get them from where they are. Because there's hungry people out there 
that want to know more. They just don't know how to ask. And so God sends you along in their life and boom, they got somebody that can just line it out. Amen? The Law and the Prophets. The time of the Law and the Prophets extends from Moses to Christ. So as you can see, just in those four areas, there's a lot to cover. If you're even half of a Bible scholar today, if you know anything about the Bible, there's a lot of information in there. Right? So the Law covers the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Right? That's called what? The Pentateuch in the Greek. Right? And so there's, uh, and this is talking about the books of the Old Testament. They were written by holy men of God. Right? Is that true? Second Peter 1.21 says this, For the prophecy came not, of old, not in old time by the will of man, not by the will of man. Man just didn't, didn't sit down and think, well, I'm going to write about God. No, they wrote what God spoke to their mind to write, right? But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So they were speaking it. Some guy was sitting over there, a scribe was sitting over there writing it down. Does that make sense? Yep. Clearly, the Old Testament was inspired of God. And you look at your student and you go, Right? Because you want them to start seeing it. Aha. Uh-huh. God is real. He wrote the Bible. He just used men to do it. You don't want to be all up in their face about it. You just kind of let it flow. You just let, let the Holy Ghost flow in that meeting, in that class. You just you kind of don't get ahead of the Holy Ghost. You just let the Holy Ghost and you just count to ten before you open your mouth and say something. I know. i got to do that. I'm not... Uh, let me point that at Vince, okay? So the rest of you all. Oh, hallelujah. The, the people in the back row back there are shouting. <laughs> Way back in the back row. Hallelujah. <laughs> According to 2 Timothy 3.16, what does that say? Right, right. And, and this is right in here. And you just, you're taking them all over the Bible. And you stop and you say, let's turn to this. And, you, and be prepared. My wife and I, I'm not bragging, but we went out and we, we went online to Pentecostal Publishing House. And we ordered like two cases of Bibles. Because I'm getting ready. I'm going to have Bibles to give away. Yep, that cost me some money, but I know that my dad's got all the money anyway, so. <laughs> if I need some, he'll give me some. He'll take care of me. But I'm going to have Bibles to hand to people. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to sit there and plan a Bible study and then say, "Oh, gee, I wish I had some Bibles." Come back next time and I'll give you one. Maybe Amazon will deliver them on time. Right? No, you need to prepare now. I mean, I want to. I want. I'm. I'm just itching to give those things away. I really am. I got enough Bibles of my own. I don't need any more. I got 16 Bibles on that on that iPad right there. Besides the physical ones I got at the house. In the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, the word inspired means God breathed. Scripture was not written by the will of man. That is, men did not merely 
decide to write about God. The Bible is not man's book about God, but God's book to mankind or humankind. A key word in 2 Peter 1.21 is moved, as God moved on them, right? In the original language, it means to be carried along, which is as a ship, as if, as a ship is carried over the surface of the sea by the winds blowing its sails. So as each generation died off, God just raised up other men that He knew He was going to talk to, and they were going to write that next book, and they were going to write that next thing. And we, and we know that, that it was written, right? Because they found the scrolls. They found it. So you can't say the... Nobody out there that has any, any integrity can say that the Bible is just some book. I mean, there's, they found scrolls. There's proof. <laughs> they know where the, the ark is. They know where all this stuff is. They know where the pyramids are. Right? There's wheels in the water on the, in the Red Sea that are still there from the chariots. And they've traced them back. And they were exactly from that time period. And I've got a little PowerPoint that I saved that somebody gave me years ago. And I keep that thing because I'd like to show that. There's proof that this book is real. We should approach our study of the Bible with great reverence because it is the Word of God, not the Word of men. Each word is important. So when you get into your Bible study, what do you do? You, you have some fellowship, some food, then you pray. And you pray out loud and you say, God, and you don't make it a long apostolic prayer. You just say, Lord, we just need you to be in the middle of what we're doing here. Just keep it simple. We want you to lead. Open our ears. Let us hear what you want us to hear, God. Let us see what you want us to see. Let them hear you praying. You're, you're, you're exampling things in, in that Bible study that you don't even realize. Because they're not used to being around somebody that lives like this. And they might even feel a little uncomfortable. How many remember the first time you came around a bunch of apostolic people? How uncomfortable you felt like, oh my God, where's the door? I'm Help me, Lord. I, me too. I was like that. But at the same time, they were dancing and shouting and singing and spinning around. And I was just amazed by that. I was just like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, wow, this is really different. Wow. They don't even realize I'm here and neither do they care. They're in their own little world over there. And that's what drew me. I watched people in that same church run out, run out the door. Almost screaming, like, get me out of here. And I, I can remember thinking, if you just stay a little while longer. But, you know, he's looking for the hungry ones. God warned Moses, you shall not add to the word which I command thee, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Deuteronomy 4 and 2. A similar command is found in Proverbs 30 and 6. Add thou not to his words, lest... He reproved thee, and thou be found a liar. Just before the close of the Bible, God inspired John to include these words in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, 19 says, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which were written in this book. So you've got to be careful. You better make sure that you're teaching what's in the book. Don't veer off to some, some opinion of yours or some 
something that you can't back up with Scripture, be very careful. You're handling God's Word and you're handling a soul that's precious to God. The Bible says all souls are His. We're all His anyway. And that soul, whoever it is, whatever they look like, whatever they smell like, that's a soul to Him. And that's how you need to look at them. we got to be careful and... I'm telling you right now, people can feel it when you have a spirit towards them about how they're dressed or how they act or how they talk. They can feel that. Even if you don't say anything, they feel that. They feel that pushback from you in your spirit. So you have to be really careful. You have to be prepared in your spirit. and You have to pray, God, let me love them with your love. We have to admit, it's not in us to love some people. I just, right? Anybody agree with me on that? It's just not in me. I don't want to be around them people. But Jesus went around some people that nobody wanted to be around either. And he reached over and touched the leper. And nobody in their right mind in that day would have done that. But he wasn't afraid of that leper. He wasn't afraid of that disease. He was God. And we have God living in us. And if He sends us to a Bible study around some stuff, He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you. We don't want to let the enemy get in our mind and create fear. Oh, I don't know. I can't do that. I don't want those people in my house. Oh, this, that, oh. Oh, because the enemy does not want us to teach home Bible study. Right? He doesn't want to lose another one to the kingdom. But what are we doing as subjects of the king? In a real kingdom, what are the subjects supposed to do? Help the king grow the kingdom, right? In a real kingdom. Is this a real kingdom or not? And how you got here is not not as important to me as the fact that you're here. It's not important to God as the fact that you're here. How I got here is not as important as the fact that I'm here. We all have our testimony. Thank God somebody didn't just say the wrong thing and just spew something out of their mouth that just made me turn tail and run. Because I've watched that happen. And I've watched people's mouths send people out the door and we never see them again. Not here, but other places. It happens. So we are not, we are not God. We're just His servants. We've got to love them. We've got to teach them and let God work on them. Right? It takes some people longer than others. But if you keep loving them, if you keep ministering to them, mentoring them, if you keep spending time with them, praying over them, interceding and travailing for them, standing in the gap for them, what is standing in the gap? Going to fight for somebody that doesn't even know they're in a fight. They don't even know that the enemy's trying to take them down. Praise God. I could go on and on and on. But I'm not going to. But you all get the point. So, if you don't want me to teach this again, you can cut the camera off. <laughs>